0: What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra low net carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands, and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at hero.co. What's up, y'all? Welcome to the stack. I'm Alex. I'm Justin. What's up? I'm Pete, and on the stack we talk about a bunch of comic books that have come out this week, and we bunch review them. them. A bunch. Let's kick it off with a big one, a certified Woo-hoo! blockbuster if there ever was one. Ultimate Spider-Man number two from Marvel, written by Jonathan Hickman, art by Marco Checchetto. At the end of last month's issue, Peter Parker now pushing thirty, married, with kids. Finally discovers he's Spider-Man thanks to a costume gifted to him by this universe's version of Tony Stark. In this issue, we're getting his first adventures as he figures out what it means to be Spider-Man. He fights the Shocker. And meanwhile, in the background, Shocker. a bunch of other things are going on with his supporting cast. I think you guys were very high on the first I, issue. So I was high. a little trepidatious about it. Why are you trepidatious? I explained uh, why I was the last time that I felt like it was a lot of setup, but we weren't getting into the emotional meat of it. I think we started to get into the emotional meat here mm. in this issue Emotion
1: I liked
0: meat.
2: that's when I go to a restaurant, a steakhouse I'm like, I would uh, like the
1: emotional meat, please I would like the <laughs> version of our emotional garbage plate, please thank you
0: uh well. That's kind of what this was. We got a little bit of everything in this issue with Peter Parker's relationship with his daughter, a little bit of tension going on, potentially with Mary Jane. We got some great stuff with J. Joe Jameson and Ben Parker, intriguing yeah. things with Green Goblin, and Wilson Fisk, a little bit of texture of the world as well. And I I like this new Spider-Man. I like the way that he is wrestling with what if you knew my destiny is to be one of the world's greatest heroes. But not in a Harry Potter way, in a way of, wait, that was supposed to happen to me twenty years ago. What if I can't do it now? What if my knees aren't strong enough? That sort of I thing. think
2: I think that's such a good observation, because I think that's a core like tentpole of this book and this take on Spider-Man it's the flip of the original Spider-Man was like I know I'm not good enough I need to figure this out and he got by on his willpower and uh spider powers and and sense of humor for so long this is the flip he's like I don't know if I'm good enough but I'm gonna try and fail from the old side of things and that it changes the tone but it still is it hits that essential core of Spider-Man and I think it's great
1: I agree with Alex I really think they, You should have talked about The knees more You know what I mean <laughs> Like talk about His lower back Maybe hurting him yeah. or You know what I mean Just like really get into the Oh when I sit down I gotta make a noise now Early My 30s
0: Spider knees see. Spider knees <laughs> When I bend it Feels like bees Like that Wow <laughs> it's, it's really good Having uh, trouble Climbing trees You can stop uh, I think it's uh, Get my perfect. prostate
2: checked real soon
1: <laughs> Oh boy Like uh, that? I I like the <laughs> the art has a cool Factor to it that's like a slicker Kind of cooler looking Spider-Man Even though he's older The way the kind of uh, new uh, Costume is and everything It looks cool, cool. Costume. So uh, yeah I'm I'm having a blast with this, and yeah, I'm I am I am not going to come down because uh, so far this is great. This is really fun to see him like get his butt handed to him by Shocker twice for being too dumb was hilarious and very enjoyable,
2: very fun, and it's yeah. hitting the tone. I mean, you don't really think of Hickman as someone who's going to nail some Spider-Man yeah. uh, comedy, and it yeah. uh, does though he does and again. Coming at it from this older, and again, he's in his early 30s. I don't think we could lay off on him being, like, fucking ancient. <laughs> <All right. laughs> he's fine. He's living it up. He's probably just this, li- living so me, alone. Let me, like,
0: can this this MJ, we get some Spider-Man. mushed
1: peas for tonight? Like, I don't think it maybe mush peas. What, what how I'm you looking feel- forward
0: to, this is a little bit of a spoiler for the next issue, but I hear he has dinner before 4 p.m. <laughs> oh, come wow, on. That's it's a perfect time to eat. It's cheaper.
2: Yeah beats exposing himself but i do think part of it is like he's in the at this black costume and you know light very light spoiler here but i think this issue is a setup for him wearing the classic red and blue and it's about recapturing uh youth a little bit through spidey Ooh. so shouts to that yeah like somebody calls
0: him lame he's like oh okay grandpa put it oh. on that red and blue Yeah, that's
2: what I say when I encounter a (laughs) (laughs) 31-year-old.
0: Oh, God, we're so old. Hey, Grandpa, need help on your skateboard? (laughs) 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 Batman 144 from DC Comics, written by Chip Zdarsky, art by Giuseppe Camicoli and Andreas Sorrentino. This is the final issue of the Joker Year One arc, as we're flashing back to the origin of the Joker, as well as flashing forward to the future, where he is having potentially a final showdown with Batman. Neither storyline goes the way I thought it was going to go. Uh, I don't yeah. think that's a criticism necessarily. So much as this was a surprisingly calm last issue. I felt.
1: Huh. I I love this issue. I thought. Well, first off, let's back up the truck here. Crazy cool cover. Just like some really great art to get you excited to jump. The sweater into weather this. one. Are you gonna say? Yes, that every you know.
2: Time? Yeah. Well, I know you're chasing that sweater weather. <laughs> Anyways, that
1: bat kid This was a great issue. I mean, this is such a the Joker is such a great villain and used so well here. Oh yeah. The art is super <laughs> tight bananas.
0: Yeah. I love but, this
1: issue. I've been thinking well, that. I
0: never thought of that.
1: Joker.
2: He's yeah. like the opposite of Batman in some ways. You
1: know? I also love how he, I love how Batman kind of took it easy Batman's on Jason. Batman's a good hero. You know? Oh, right. Alex! I say, guys, slow down with these revelations. Sure, it's been said a thousand times. It doesn't mean after you read a comic like this, you don't say no. it. You still say you're right, it. You're right. I'm sorry, you're I'm fucking sorry. assholes. It's true.
0: Yes. yes. No, I, I agree. Something. I mean, I think to your point, Pete. That's what none of us should... are inventing the wheel here, you dicks. <laughs> I know. I'm just saying, Commissioner Gordon. You say something that we riff on it for a minute until you lose your mind. So, again, we're not reinventing the wheel here. You are right, Pete. (laughs) We're we're your jokers. We're your jokers. (laughs) You guys are
1: both going to have a lot to answer for.
2: (laughs) Pete, we're your jokers. You have two jokers. You're
1: absolutely right. What Chip Zdarsky is
0: doing here is, I think, regrounding the joker is kind of what you're getting at, Pete. Like, reminding us why he is a good villain, why he's always been there, why he's tied to Batman while presenting a different way, which is that Joker has always known who Batman is and always been working from that perspective. I don't know if I love that, you know, this isn't yeah. the first time they've done that. Um, Scott Snyder, I feel like always skimmed across the top of that. And he's like, maybe he knows he's Bruce Wayne. I don't know. And Chip Chazarski is like, he knows he's Bruce Wayne. He's always done. Um, But it's okay. I think, like, it's a well-told story with good art.
2: And I I agree. And I like the sort of dual tracks where we get sort of the early Joker. That It's still, it reminds me of the Batman, the animated series Joker, a Joker we don't get much in the comics anymore, who was, like, you know, had a good plan, liked to mess around, but was embarrassed by the end of it because of what he was up to. And, like... We don't get that Joker because of all of the the depth and pathos and pathos and darkness that have been added to Joker. Uh, but this is really good, and I feel like this is sort of we're that... getting toward the chip. What Chip Zdarsky is sort of trying to tell with a lot of his Batman work, I think, and it's really exciting. I also think it's interesting that Commissioner Gordon and Joker for the last what two years have been paired together mm-hmm, yeah. so much in in comic books, and why why is that? What because it's Batman and Joker, obviously, like they're always two sides of the coin, but it feels like Commissioner Gordon is actually a more oppositional character or sort of the other – the true other side of the coin, it feels likely.
0: Do you think it's a reclamation or a continuation of killing joke in a way? That was the one where he was trussed right. up, naked and thrown
1: in. Yeah, we. Well, you don't to have be. to fuck – it's burned no, no, and- in
0: our fucking – Well, in case people uh, haven't. Haven't read uh, it. Yeah, for example. So just describe his nude form. Sure. So he's lithe. (laughs) Is the way I describe it. <laughs> what? The Commissioner fuck? Gord is alive?
1: Wow.
2: You don't hear, you hear
1: that? <laughs> Nuba? He, he hear suit? Nuba? Yeah. Oh. Well, wow. Well, I, let's hang on a second. I, what You did Becoming. say something interesting that I want to address. That's weird that you described Joker that way from the animated series because I would describe him as somebody who does have a good plan, but is also just such a chaos factor and is so in love with the. The destruction that he brings to Batman's world, uh, yeah. that he kind of spins out like he's never great right. at kind of holding on to the plan or the idea because he just kind of spins out. Uh, well, but it's just the to hear difference, you describe it. The difference I'd be there interested is, interested to hear what Alex would call the Joker from the animated series. Uh, more uh, of I think like, they- a, I would say, a fetching lass. is what <laughs>
2: athletic so you, you don't want to answer the question
0: it's fine. <laughs> uh, early uh, no, 30s i don't know what,
2: what i was gonna say is like, like super old what i was gonna say is the uh well, now i've the that, But age the
0: age i could think of 30 the, the
2: joke the joker in the in the comics lately has been so far ahead of batman always yeah. Like, yeah. constant, and Batman's always like, what is happening here? But that's well, the Joker and the, kind it, and of I,
1: true, though, because if you're the guy making the evil plan, you are ahead of Batman. You know what I mean?
2: But, uh, and that's natural, like, storytelling heightening where it's like, yes, yeah. the threat has to be bigger, so Joker has to be further ahead of Batman. But I think where it we need, we need a reset. The Joker side of comics has, like, there are multiple Jokers. There's so many okay. things happening in Joker. I think we need to. Shoo, Thin it back down a little gonna, bit, you know, make it live. you
1: said this, because later when we're talking about X-Men, I'm going to bring this up. Ooh, oh, I look forward to that. I'm not going to be here for that. i oh, decided. it's to. too bad.
0: Last Famous, number one from Distillery by Mirka Andolfo. This is the third ongoing title from Distillery after Gone and Somna, which we've talked about. Second issues of. Um, this kickoff here is about the biggest pop star in the world, Seemingly being an agent of the church, but actually being an agent of hell, among other things that happen over the course of the issue. If you've read any Mirkon Dolfo stuff, it's very much in line with that. As makes sense. What did you guys think of this issue,
2: Ooh. Pete? Wow, Pete goes completely silent on this one.
1: Well, uh, I, was I was letting, mean, you, was sense, letting so. you go first. Yeah.
2: Oh, nice. I was trying to pull it up uh, over here, but uh, I. <laughs> oh, sorry, bro. Uh, that's right. I I like this comic. I feel like the Mircon and Dolfo stuff feels like it's just it's on a plane. It's not quite what I want. Uh, I don't know what it is, but I, I feel like, Alex, you're you love this or love this more. No, 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 you don't. OK,
0: no, I don't. I, I think there was one of her books, Unnatural, I really like the first series of because yes. I thought the metaphor was very clear. I don't know if this is that level, but I do think this is one of her clearer stories that she's done recently. Um, I, I like the level of satire that's going on here. I think this is an interesting world. She's setting up the idea of pop stars as not just like the way that we deify them right now, but literally deifying them. That's an right. interesting concept to play with. Um, it goes in a lot of different wild directions over the course of this issue, particularly because Distillery's first issues are double-sized, so you're almost getting two issues here, um, and it feels like that. Uh, so I don't know. I'm curious to see where the series goes. I would love her to get back to that clear level of story and metaphor that we got natural, Unnatural, uh, which I don't know if we're quite getting here, but I like her art. And I like the fact that distillery is just letting these creators go wild.
2: I do think the art is definitely a step up from the other, um, the previous iterations of or the previous book. Sorry. Uh, So I I do like the art here.
1: The art is impressive. I mean, you know, uh, there should be some kind of, you know, there's some kind of like stuff with guns and suicide and stuff in here. So I feel like it's, uh, if you're not ready for that kind of stuff, it can be kind of crazy. Yeah, trigger
0: warning for that sort of thing. Absolutely. Let's go to an advanced review. Napalm Lullaby Number One. This yeah. is coming out March sixth from don't Image spoil Comics. It. Written by Rick Remender, art by Bengal. Uh, this is actually very hard to talk about without spoiling anything because yeah, don't do There's it. approximately thirty twists that happen in the first couple of pages where it keeps changing the premise, but. Yeah, I don't know. It's a Rick Remender book that's been drawn by Bengal. It's exactly as wild and grittily violent as you'd probably expect for that sort of thing. There's (laughs) sci-fi ideas going on here. Uh, There's a little bit of a fantastical element. And it's interesting to pair it with Blasphemous because it's also skirting along (laughs) religious ideas. and Not parody, mm -hmm. but what you'd expect from Rick Remender in terms of religion and how it affects the world.
2: What well, Rick Remender is interested in from a storytelling perspective. I feel like I also am so much. So I like, I love getting a new Remender book fan, Also another thing, Rick Remender always is. Paired with the Remender fan head. T- so yeah, uh, every book that Rick Remender does, whether or not it's like right over the plate of your interests, it's at least good. The art's amazing and it has big ideas at its core. Um, and you know, they some some of the books, uh, low, uh, I feel like can get too dense or complex for some people or too dark in different ways, but th- they're always good and they're always unique. And this is just another one in that line. So, yeah, definitely get this when it comes out.
1: Yeah. I mean, if Reminder's there, I'm going to show up and check it out for sure. Uh, there's no question. I don't want to spoil anything, but man, um, it gets crazy. There's some crazy shit that goes down, and uh, I do love the art. But, yeah, I mean, Remender has earned the respect of it. Hey, he puts his name on something. I'm going to show up, man.
0: Yeah. This is – God, I wish I remembered the name. This is very like another book that he wrote, uh, but I don't know. Since we're not What? No, so a not pre <laughs> agent. There was another book that was, like, set in the future with – People fighting a unstoppable power. I don't remember what it was, but it's it's very much in line with that. It has a little <laughs> sense of like east of west as well, just in terms of the designs great that Mangal yep. has in there. I know we're not. Was it about a school of like killers that? that I'll look it up, up while you guys are talking. Don't worry. about Oh, okay, great. No, I no, love it no. When you, you Google
1: things while we're
2: Alex, talking. I want you to listen. Yeah, me no, you you to to too. I, yeah,
1: I don't want. Yeah, we're you to- We're saying
0: we're
2: dropping absolute gold. Constantly <laughs> here, <Alex.
0: laughs> Mark Barron uh, is listening to this podcast. Being like, I wish I could do that. Yeah, what they do exactly? yeah, uh, yeah oh he's God. trying to
2: replicate. Take it easy. Take it take easy. Take it easy. Um, are you? Are <laughs> you talking it about is. Alex? Are you talking about Tokyo Ghost?
1: Yes. Hey, you're talking about I Tokyo was. Ghost. I love it's, that comic. Yeah, it's very similar to Tokyo Ghost. Why don't you talk Ghost about the experience? motorcycle? I it would is say similar Tokyo to
2: Tokyo Ghost. Ghost. I would say in style and uh, some of the design, perhaps, but story-wise, I think wildly different. But, yeah.
1: uh Alex, next time vibe. you think about Tokyo Ghost, just be like, Pete, it's a cool motorcycle. I'll be like Tokyo Ghost. Okay.
2: Okay. Yeah, let's try to speak Pete more.
0: (laughs) Uh, Predator, The Last Hunt, number one from Marvel, written by Ed Bryson, art by Francesco Mana. This is, even though it's a new number one, it is the third, fourth series, something like that. Um, Yeah. uh, In Ed Bryson's run on Predator, we're following exactly the same character, Theta, whose parents were killed by the Predators. She hunted them down, she killed them, She went in the last miniseries to a game preserve where the predators were hunting people they'd put in stasis. This one, they've been tracking predators for years, haven't seen them for years. They're kind of on the about to give up when they get a new lead. And I want to get into spoilers because I do want to talk about the end of this issue that brings in a absolutely wild character into this comic book. What do you guys think about this one?
2: I like how tight the continuity is here. Like I'm, I don't, I don't expect it, especially with the number one, but the, we're getting a real full story here, even though each series sort of restarts. And I like the, the and I think the theme here is that um, these characters are our main character anyway, has become a predator essentially, mm-hmm. but for predators. And I like that flip that is not explicitly told to us it's just shown to us in a smart way and just great uh stabbing and stuff
1: uh i i pulled the zalbin on myself here and uh on yourself yeah yeah i uh zalbified myself uh you you were reading a pornographic comic in front of people (laughs) (laughs) nope nope you know how, like, uh, Zelvin will look at a title and if it's got something in it that he thinks should be in there and then it's not, like, that kind of ruins the whole thing for him? I'm really like, wondering where this is going because it.
0: there's definitely a Predator in here and it's definitely the last hunt, but Well, maybe
1: ahead. you should shut up and let me talk then. Okay. So I was saying that, like, he, I saw the cover. I was like, oh, my God, look at this badass Predator And I was like, oh, it's the last one. This is going to be a story about the last predator ever. And he's like this last samurai situation. He's wandering the universe, whooping ass. And then I uh, start reading the comic. I was so excited about the cover and the title. I wrote this whole story for myself in my head, which I shouldn't have done. Because then I opened this (laughs) and I was like, oh, this is fucking humans pretending to be predators. What the fuck is this? And then I was really let down by what I read. And it's all my own fault. That
0: is totally fair. And I'm sorry for jumping on you. I think this is great. (laughs) I really like the stuff that Ed Bryson is doing with predator. Let's talk about the ending, which brings in Dutch's AKA Arnold Schwarzenegger's brother, Mm. who I don't think was in the movie, but has been in several of the dark horse comics and other comics. And he's the big surprise character there. Um, That's wild to just throw that in there. And particularly because he's a guy who's like, I'm just wearing a Hawaiian shirt. I'm just a regular big old beefy guy. Let's go.
1: But Why wouldn't uh, you bring in Schwarzenegger, though, if you're going to... You know what I mean? Schwarzenegger's brother seems like such a... I have to assume there's likeness
0: rights that go on there in terms of using Schwarzenegger. And that is a character who has appeared in the comics multiple times. So you can bring them in without any of the issues
2: having to ask permission and also who knows what's tied up in any sort of movie situation you never know when they're going to come back to it so you can introduce a character also anytime you want to add a little fun to your life or your comic book just throw a hawaiian shirt person in yeah always (laughs) like a, a one one person party
0: Yeah, Uh, I don't know. I'm excited to see where this goes. I was not expecting that ending. Justice League versus Godzilla versus King Kong. Number five from DC Comics, written by Brian Bucciolato, art by Christian Duce. This issue, Superman still not quite dead. Justice League still fighting a bunch of giant monsters. Um, And that's what's going on here.
2: I mean, there's so much talk about how Superman's not dead, but almost dead in this comic. And it's like, all right, all right. Just to to issue a little medical report or something. Everyone's like, is he dead? Did I kill him? Shazam. Uh, But we're we're getting a lot of just a wide swath of everybody doing their business. This is like a
0: very montage. I wish this was wilder is my problem with it. Maybe it'll get there. I think we have like two more issues or something. But I don't know. This is pure speculation. I almost feel like. Legendary is so serious about their MonsterVerse movies, despite the fact that they're selling Godzilla X-Kong as a buddy cop lethal weapon movie where they have to team up or they're going to hate each other. Like, you're not taking your movies seriously. Go crazy here. There's a scene where Green Arrow is attacking the League of Assassins. Why is King Kong not there? They just teamed up in the last issue, Dude, 100% King Kong, King King Kong it, should be teaming up with Green Arrow and going hog wild on the League of Assassins. That's what I want to see.
2: 100%. I want to see a King Kong in a tiny green hat with a big <laughs> bow. Yes! <laughs> Shooting a punching club arrow. Being Please! Like,
1: yeah, Kong oh, good at dope. archery. I did think it was hilarious how there, there's literally a Kraken in, in the panel on Wonder Woman's like, oh, the dome is cracking, And I was just like, oh, come on. Come, I mean, what are we doing here? Come right. on! Also, wait. they
0: keep calling the monsters Titans, and nobody's like, we have a team called Titans <laughs> at any point. <laughs> okay, wait, wait. First, you guys are, uh, you let's are, let's are this advocating for
1: puns? <laughs> yeah, no, no. you're Man, pushing for not. puns. Yes. Yes. No, I am not. I was. Peter, I agree. Peter, I agree. Needs more puns. <laughs>
0: No,
2: wait, Your first no. two complaints out of both your mouths were like,
0: they had a huge opportunity to say
1: Kraken
2: with a Kraken. No, and the- they did do that.
1: I'm not saying they had an opportunity. That's what happened. I couldn't believe what I was seeing and reading. Yeah, they needed a follow up,
0: though. It needed somebody to be like, nope. get a load of this lady. No, nope. right. Yeah. Like a lot like that. Hello to me. No. <laughs> Wait oh, a minute. Hello to me. Yeah. The, uh, here's the I, thing. I'm I, let me be positive book. about this. Nobody, nobody no. is quoting Jack Nicholson as the Joker from the 1989 <laughs> Batman. <laughs> <laughs> and I'll tell you what, that Joker, that is a good villain. Okay. Oh yeah. yeah. <laughs> where, <laughs> does he, no. where does he, where do does he get it?
2: his wonderful apes? <laughs> his wonderful way. Kong.
1: <laughs> It was too much of a wind up for that. All right, listen. So I, th- I would like to just say this continues to be fun. I know we're making fun of it, but I don't care. I'm still having a blast with this. We're getting giant monsters fighting superheroes, and I'm I'm. There's part of me that's in the sandbox somewhere, going, "This is fun." So I love this. So there's always legs, right? It's your legs
0: because we can't see that.
2: You never left behind that sandbox, Pete? Did you? (laughs) Uh, I think this is fine. It's not my favorite thing. It feels like this issue.
1: This were great. This is just issue is all business down a little bit. Yeah, it's middling.
2: It's middling issue. Maybe it'll be fun at the end.
0: Spawn 350 from Image Comics, written by Rory McConville and Todd McFarlane, art by Brett Booth and Carla Barberi. This is the issue that changes absolutely everything for Spawn. And if you haven't been reading Spawn for a while, here's the deal. You're not going to believe this, all right? There is, <laughs> get this, a war for hell, and somebody is going to become the new king of hell. And that That's changes right. everything when we find yeah. out who that new king of hell is. Yeah. Changes everything for Spawn, changes mm-hmm. everything for the world, changes yep. everything for the whole line. It is a game changer.
1: Game changer. It's, what, it's what you're not talking crazy. About. So it's crazy. Be, Pete,
2: you're gonna have your time. This is your character. This is your fun. So we'll just do a couple wheelies and then you can go, go to town. <laughs> it's crazy. just the fact that Spawn is trying to get in touch with his wife is really beautiful. <laughs> it's amazing that every have they issue of-before all 350 fucking issues of this book. He's like God I gotta get my wife She's in heaven or hell or dead or alive Or something and I gotta track her down I gotta get her And he does it again Right Pete?
1: Yes. Alex, listen, what you're not really thinking about here is when there's a new kind of king of hell. It's just like when there's a new pope, you know what I mean? Like you get the fire blast in the air and everybody knows Oh, there's a new oh, there's mm-hmm. a new, you know, and uh, that's a big deal for a lot of the surrounding people <laughs> who have to live with that new kind of leader there. You know what I mean? I remember, so you're, you're not me. you I remember when they named the
0: new pope and the fire just like pumped out, out of Connecticut. Up. The That's guitar a party pull. army was going nuts. I was yeah. losing my mind.
2: We should say the reason Pete really cares about the new ruler of hell is Pete is podcasting from hell. I'm in Brooklyn, <laughs> Alex is in Brooklyn, Pete's in hell. So it makes a lot of sense. Ah,
1: no, okay. I, I just, I don't care. I, I mean, I laughed out loud when they showed the clock again, the countdown clock, because I was like, I have, very it's very gonna low. It's going to have a field day with this. Yeah. Uh, the I fact that the was,
2: issue, because that's how the issue ended. 350.
1: What's hysterical is it went 350 issues and then came right back to where where it started like you've got the one. I mean, nothing is changed. He's out of time. This guy's out of time.
2: I think. I think if you ground this issue up, this issue is like snorting pure '90s cocaine. Everything oh, about it is '90s. It's spawn. It's got Brett Booth drawing this shit. It's like Rob Liefeld adjacent. You're just mainlining '90s comics. And if you want that, take this down.
0: It's crazy that they never made a cocaine variant of any comic books. (laughs) Yes, I think that it's
2: because you don't need it. The main comic is the cocaine.
0: Okay,
1: all right. Now let's talk about some positive stuff about this, because there were some real badass covers for this. I said the cocaine thing. (laughs) Oh, yeah. (laughs) My bad. My bad. But um, I do think it is this, you know, this kind of, relationship with Wanda is such a kind of crazy thing because it's like, all of a sudden it's like, Oh, Hey, somebody has got to be the king of hell. And I guess I can't do it because I was already the king. So like Wanda, you got to step up for some reason where it could be literally anybody else by that logic. Why it has to be Wanda is uh, insane to me. The
2: idea that they're choosing a leader that they've already had choices of in the past is crazy. Thank God we don't have to deal with that in our real
0: world. (laughs) I'll tell you what, just to wrap this up, I would love to go back and reread the original issues of Spawn because legitimately, like – That was a sensation. I don't know about you guys, but I was obsessed with that. I was like, what's up with the countdown clock? This character is fascinating. I love this art. This is great. Give me more of this. And 350 issues down the road, I'm like, why are you still doing the same thing? I don't understand. I still love it. That's why. There you go.
2: There it is. Got it. Uh, Guardians of the Galaxy
0: Annual 2024, number one from Marvel, written by Jackson Lansing and Colin Kelly, art by Kev Walker. Despite the numbering, this is actually the final issue of the run on Guardians of the Galaxy. As we get Grootfall finally flowering and bringing everybody back, we lose a guardian but gain a daughter is the way that I think about it and uh, kind of move forward from there. What did you guys think about this conclusion, particularly given that we've been a little mixed about this run.
2: Well, uh, I thought this brought it together. I actually really like this issue, even though I feel like I've been pretty wobbly about this run in general, especially I'm a big Lansing and Kelly fan. So the fact that this was just felt like there was a missing piece throughout and they weren't quite just pointing at what the, the narrative or what they wanted the story to be. But this issue I thought actually really brought it together well and gave Drax a a great story.
1: Yeah. Yeah, it was a great direction. I, I thought this was a very touching issue. I also love the back matter stuff. I think there, you could tell they put a lot into this, and it kind of shows in this. Everybody gets a little shine in a kind of really nice way. And we had a lot of questions about Grootfall and what the fuck was going on, and I think they took a lot of care to finally give us some answers to that stuff, so that felt very exciting. Uh, the art's unbelievable. The, just the kind of whole tone of this comic was great. I felt like we were in good hands. And uh, yeah. Um, like Allstate. Sh- sure, sure, yeah. <laughs> Um, and uh, so, yeah, I mean, did you want to shout out like Pizza or anything you're else? You're in good I'm,
2: hands. You're in good hands okay. with Allstate. If cool, you set man. up a slogan, just, I'll hit it. Just My do brain it. is broken. My brain's broken. I hear a slogan, I say it.
0: <laughs> oh, okay. Like <laughs> a good right. neighbor, Grootfallen is there. Yeah. I really <laughs> yeah, I agree. Kev Walker's art was great across great. This I love series. this
2: vibe for Guardians. Kev Walker's 100%. art is really good.
0: I wish I liked the story more. I. Yeah.
1: Oh, I do you on, think man. there
0: were some good emotional beats in this issue, but overall, even though it brought it together nicely and kicked us into whatever the next era of G- Guardians is, uh, the journey was not just not worth it for me, honestly.
1: Uh, I, mm. I, I really think they ended it so well, even though I was like complaining about the journey along the all along the way. I felt like the ending was so good it kind of made up for it a little bit.
0: Yeah, no, I'm glad you felt like that. I did not. I didn't get that feeling from it. I will say, spoiler here, getting back to Drax's saxophone playing days was great. Crazy. I agree. That was such a fun.
2: (laughs) Yeah. Deep continuity refs there. And to, to go out, just like.
1: Delaney! Saxophone style. Come on, man. You know cool. he's
0: playing Careless Whisper on that thing. Yes, yeah. he's going out. Nightwing 111 from DC Comics, written by weird. Tom Taylor and Michael W. Conrad, art by Sammy Basri and Francesco Francovia. This is, let's get this out of the way up front, one of the final issues of Tom uh, Taylor's run on Nightwing heart was announced. Breaking late last week, if I remember correctly, that Tom Taylor and Bruno Redondo after this are going to be doing one more arc called Falling Grayson. It's going to kick off in, I want to say, 114 or 115, Uh, whatever it is, it's going to run for five issues. So we still have them on for a good long while here. But such a bummer reading this issue after that, knowing like, oh, I got to hold on to this like a precious gem. And this is like I've had my heart torn out. Yes, and this issue is great as Nightwing teams up with Batman to investigate a copycat killer potentially of Heartless in Gotham City. Great mystery, great stuff going on here, and great backup story. Yes. Uh, this feels very reminiscent. <laughs> it's I felt like an idiot because I picked up reading the backup story. I was like, ooh, this is like Francesco Francovia style art. And then I was like, oh, it is Francesco. <laughs> 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 I'm very on that oh, style. Oh. Uh, oh. But it, it's, it's a very similar, like, parallel story thing to what was going on in The Joker, The Man Who Stopped Laughing. Um, mm. So I assume that's why they got Francesco. Go for that great package great comic book pick this up
2: agree i mean total pack Uh, i think we are always glowing in our reviews of nightwing top to bottom what i really like about this that i think is such a smart choice from um tom taylor is to flip the perspective and give us the batman point of view on dick we -hmm. are always riding with dick for so much of this run the fact that (laughs) what dick got guys Guys what's funny Guys what are you laughing about Okay it, Cause I'm talking I'm trying to give a heartfelt um, Like review of this comic
0: Okay cool man Yeah go for it So go I
2: cool. just love Like we're like Riding I'm sorry. on dick we're, so sorry. Like, on, we're like on dick The whole time You know what I mean I think uh, you
1: need to <laughs> set the dick down bro I
2: think you're riding too much but, dick Well that's what yeah. But that's what they did in this issue Sorry we're, we're making were, it so hard I apologize <laughs> <laughs> Yeah hands off Dick, right now, for a second, guys.
1: Oh, yeah. Let me see him. Uh, Let me see both your hands. Yeah,
2: hands up, guys. Yeah. The quit Alex jerking, quit jerking me around. Oh, yeah, 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 quit jerking me around. I'm in the middle of my review.
1: <laughs> I can feel um, it coming.
2: Uh, <laughs> uh, stop,
1: man. We
2: are journalists.
0: <laughs> no, that's not true. <laughs> I think I, right. I saw this in the New York Times last week.
2: <laughs> hey. Hey DC, can you fit all this on the back of the trade?
0: <laughs> Good luck. <laughs> uh, <laughs> <laughs> We're going to need one of those extra lock back covers. For yeah, this exactly. The, do it.
2: Can fold you do out. the gatefold? Yeah, yeah exactly. Fold. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> register <just a> quote. <laughs> no art necessary. <laughs> Or oh, I have one idea for a piece of art. You could. Buy. <laughs> anyway, uh, this Dick <laughs> is perfect from uh, beginning uh, to end. Uh, <laughs> uh, I, what, what I'm trying to actually say here is that to hear bat to see Batman's perspective on uh, on Nightwing throughout this issue is such a nice turnaround, and it it gives us that same heartfelt perspective about this character without from a different angle. And still keeping the same like bright character tone that I think is just this run is going to be <laughs> heralded forever.
1: Uh, yeah, I agree. All right, uh, fun covers. <laughs> what is yeah, this, this point? Are you all
2: here? Sweater weather,
1: be the CS. There you
2: go. <laughs> Thank you. Sweater yeah. Bring yeah. Up the covers. Yeah. Sweater weather. Uh, well, yeah, you I'm, keep bringing it, Pete. You keep bringing it up. <laughs>
1: Take it like, easy, like, ASMR, Justin. <laughs> Hey, yeah. it's
2: sweater weather, guys.
1: It's, uh, I mean, there's some real touching moments in this issue, which is great. I love it uh, when they're showing her. I didn't, to be honest with you, I didn't like the evil uncle storyline. I thought that was unrealistic. But everything, <laughs> Oh, else,
0: interesting. Hit yeah. a little wow. too
1: close to home, didn't it, Pete? But yeah. The Batman Nightwing stuff was just great. Just yeah. really great. There's
0: one line in here where, uh, oh, God, I should have written it down. but the You thing- should have. Well, the thing where Batman usually do says, says Alfred always called Nightwing my greatest yes. success, and he's like, Alfred was always too generous. He was our greatest success. I was like, I, I agree.
2: Are. I love that because we get a lot of like Nightwing being like, because Alfred died, it was like. Alfred was my dad, but I love Batman being like, "Hey, bro, we did this together." <laughs> like, don't mm-hmm. yeah, don't get off that because that is true. I Alfred was around. I think yeah, it's a little bit ret, it's a little bit retconning to say Alfred raised Dick when I think that Batman was the one that raised Dick.
1: <laughs> I don't think <laughs> I, I agree. Batman been raising Dick for a, a long team time. Effort. It was a team effort, man. Yes,
2: always a team effort in my life. Um, I'd
0: raising say Batman's Dick. been raising Dick since 1939, but that's not accurate.
1: It's not, I don't think the dates are right on that. No, they're not. Yeah, it's, uh, yeah, but the the raising the
2: raising
0: is right. Yeah, he's been he's been raising Dick on several dates. Uh anyway, man's best ash can number one for boob studios written by Port <laughs> showed art by Jesse Lauterkin. Uh, sorry, can we win an Emmy? Are we for... <laughs> Let's just clip this last bit out. I think it's good. I think it's good. <laughs> 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 sorry, the white lotus, season three. <laughs> <laughs> The Dark Horse,
2: (laughs) the candidate, comic book clubs review. Normally
0: we don't give Emmys for podcasts. But uh, Mad's Best Ashcan, again, this is Boom Studios releasing a book a month early. Um, It's a promotional thing, I think. Here we're getting about like half, three quarters of the issue. (laughs) I want to say something like that. Somebody else go because I can't stop coughing. Okay, but well I think yeah, this is very we three is what I like way over the plate.
2: But Pete, this is you. It's got cats. You love cats. Puff the Fluff.
1: Yeah, <laughs> we. Really, it's a really great
2: fun. him. I'm sorry. I got now. I got Pete. Justin,
0: uh, you got to take the podcast. You <laughs> <up>. take it. <laughs> We're gone. <laughs>
2: um this is so we, what I like about this is it's so we three out of the gate, the classic Grant Morrison comic that was so popular when that came out. And then this uh this wow wow shattered. I don't even Just, know what's
0: happening. I haven't seen Pete laugh this much at like, oh, I know it's great. Oh my
2: god. It's nice. Uh, um, but the, but the, it turns. It turns over the issue and it doesn't feel like it's uh, in that world too much and becomes something completely different, which I think was really nice. And I actually thought of Pete a lot because Pete is such a pat slash uh, cat lover that it, it,
1: this is right over the plate for you. I, I thought this was a really cool <coughs> first issue. Love the art style. Don't start, but just I just love crying. the art style uh, and uh, it kind of sets a really great world for this comic. Uh, I really can't wait for more, you know, Pets in Space. I mean, who doesn't love it? Yeah, I think it's a really good mark of this pets sort of thing that I got space.
0: to. Yes. That it just kind of cut off about two thirds of the way through. And I was like, oh, I was enjoying this. This yeah. is so sweet and wonderful. that I want to know more about these characters. So very excited to read it when it actually comes out. Uh, also kind of funny to read it as Mad's best ash can, Like it's the best ash can a man Yeah. Next up, Cobra Commander, number two from Image Comics, written by Joshua Williamson, art by Andrea Milana. This is continuing the saga of Cobra Commander as he is out in the world looking for Energon. Meanwhile, we're getting some flashbacks to stuff that happened in Cobra Law back in the day. Pete, you're a big G.I. Joe fan here. What would you think?
1: Yeah, this is, I mean, first off, great cover. Of course, you have buzzer on there of the dreadlocks. Sweater
2: sweater weather. Cobra
1: Commander. No, it was just a regular cover. Just a regular cover. I drew one with him in a Speedo. (laughs) Oh, boy. He still had the mask on, right? Yeah, that's the real Cobra
0: Commander. You know what I'm talking about?
1: Oh, wow. (laughs) So, anyways. uh, Yeah, I mean... um, I I like the fact that we finally got the dreadlocks in there since they teased it at the end of the last issue. I wanted to kind of get more of that a little bit. But um yeah, this is a lot darker. I keep forgetting how dark it is. I'm like, oh, G.I. Joe, the G.I. Joe I know and love. And then Joshua <clears throat> Williamson keeps going like, uh, no, bro, this is a lot more fucked up than you think this is.
2: But I, I like that. I like that because the tone of this book is wild. It's like super yeah, it violent and dark. And then Cobra Commander is sort of a goof. He's sort of like this uh, – he reminds me of uh, from Saga, uh, the prince with the TV head. Oh, yes.
1: yeah, interesting. Prince Robot?
2: Is prince Robot, is? Yeah. yeah. He reminds me of him so much where he's sort of this like – Like he's in the world and he's like, I have to do this, but he's like not good at talking to people or doing much so far. And it's just such a funny tone to strike for something that you would expect to be way more over the plate of a Cobra commander. And and he's on Earth. He's like, Earth sucks. You know, it's cool. Cobra law. And everyone's like, what are you talking about? Mask (laughs) guy. And it's just I, I think it's it's such an interesting and we talked to Joshua about this. When he was on the podcast uh, like a month ago or so. Yeah, and
1: we should have talked to him about this.
2: Yeah, I mean, that's. <laughs> I think I said that we literally did. And it, it, it is true that he's striking such a unique tone with this. And it's definitely worth picking up.
1: But yeah. it does feel like Cobra Commander. You know, sometimes people take big swings with characters and it feels a little bit out of pocket. But this is still very in pocket for Cobra Commander, which I think makes it work. Uh, so it's kind of fun to see all the different madness going on. Rise of the Powers of X, number two, from Marvel, written by Kieran Gillen, art
0: by R.B. Silva. Arby's? <clears throat> Arby's. Uh, <laughs> how best to describe what happens in this issue? So Ooh. the last remaining Dragon the X-Men in the future are fighting back against Enigma, who is the real Nathaniel Essex, aka the real Mr. Sinister, who has become a dominion, an all encompassing universe destroying robot? They're trying to stop him any way they can. A lot of this issue is spent with strategizing around that in different ways and trying to figure out what the next step is, as well as looping back to the continuity of Dead X-Men, something we questioned when we read Dead X-Men. So we get some answers about what's going on there in this issue. Um, This is very much to me, Kieran Gillen in die mode, meaning the comic book die, where it's very much like, I'm creating a role play game and let's figure out what all the characters are going to do. And this is the point where they all sit around the table and be like, okay, what do we do before we roll the dice? Yeah, Uh, They're planning the campaign. Exactly. And then finally they do at the end. So we're going to get some action. Next issue. I like this, but this is very much like you need to, Fully 100% concentrate on what you're reading here or you are going to be lost. And I'll tell you, I was concentrating the entire time and there were still several pages where I was like, oh, thank God. Yeah, because I was specifically I want to throw out something. There are two pages where it looks like Doug has been taken over by Enigma, Exact the same thing. He uh, he gets a diamond on his head, right? Right, and then it seems like they're out of place. Maybe they were presented in the wrong order or something. I don't uh, know. I was very
2: confused that. by that too.
0: Because and then later,
2: I, I feel like Cipher looks different. His hair's darker. It's fine. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. And especially when it's like, he's like, I'm a clone. I was like, what? A clone of Cypher?
0: Yeah. That's got to be
2: way down in the list of X-Men you want to clone.
0: Um, Like bottom
2: of the clone list. I I do want to. Don't clone uh, him. Just get a regular person to take his place
1: (laughs) who speaks French or whatever. (laughs) I I have no idea what is happening. But the uh, volcano money shot uh, was, uh, I think, a beautiful panel (laughs) that we got there. Uh, Just amazing art. Um, I don't care about the bearded, almost Professor Xavier guy. It um, is
2: Professor Xavier. Xavier. That's. It is who that is.
1: It's a copy. It's, I don't no. know who that is. That's no, I not, think that
2: actually is him.
1: Yeah, it not, is him.
2: Well, you don't like the beard? What's happening? I,
1: I don't know what's happening. You're I jealous. anyways <laughs> I,
2: I, It's a good but That beard flows. Oh my God. You know what I mean? That's a good beard. It's hey. like the his he's not underwater, but it's like the beard is.
1: Also, Storm in a weird egg sack. I I, I don't know it's what's happening. Storm, that's Mother Righteous.
2: Yeah. Okay. Uh,
0: so there's a lot going on there, and I don't want to break <laughs> it down too much, but Mother Righteous, who is also a clone of Mr. Sinister and somebody else at the same time, who is redacted in one of the text pages has been captured in the future by Professor X, and they are using her for information. She's in the egg sac, which prevents her from using magic or not helping them. Basically, it's like a truth serum egg sac that saps her powers. At the same time, she is in the white (laughs) hot room where 250,000 mutants are. Presumably, the way that I understand it, they have been there since the Hellfire Gala, and now we're in at least 10 years in the future. They're still trapped there, and the whole thing is starting to fall apart. That's what I'm getting from this issue.
2: Yeah, and it, it's hard to tell what that all amounts to. Mm-hmm. I, uh, the positives here, I think the art is amazing. I like the way that we're seeing flashes from other parts of this in different ways, which is fun, but it's... Uh, in general it is uh, just a little bit dense. Uh, I want it just a little bit pared back for clarity. But you can tell that Kieran loves Rasputin 4. And mm-hmm. I will say Rasputin 4 is cool and has become like sort of from a chess point of view, Professor X is like queen piece. Mm-hmm. Like I'm just going to keep using you to go kill the same way that he used Cyclops in the past in different characters and I'm I'm curious if we're going to explore that idea cuz that's that's an interesting
1: place. Uh, Pete has raised his hand. Pete, what's going on? Uh, yeah, I have a question. Um, are, Alex, you wanted to went into this whole description. Um, was that fun? Are you having <laughs> fun? Nah, I'm
0: in. I'm intrigued, and I think the thing that I'm probably going to take away from this whole era of X Men is from the very beginning when Jonathan Hickman set it up is it was to challenge us intellectually on a science fiction level, science fiction fantasy level, very much, because it's not delving into any actual science or anything like that. That's a different mode for the X-Men. And when Professor Xavier in this issue is talking about, like, Grakoa was a failed experiment, it didn't work, we got to erase it from history, that bummed me out a little bit. Like, I don't know where you don't go from there or how you keep it around necessarily, but the idea of like, well, we tried this thing, it feels very metatextual of we
1: tried this thing in comics for several years.
0: It's not gonna work long term.
1: That's not Professor Xavier. You can't all of a sudden just be younger and have working legs and a beard. Like what uh, it's beard. You can't. You, you died. You died like a bunch of times. You can't just suddenly have a beard. You got to. You died that. like a bunch of times. And now all of a sudden you're younger with like a, a beard and just walking around in a suit. In they shape. literally like
0: resurrected themselves from egg sacks as their best versions. That's what happened.
2: Yeah. You don't like egg sacks, Pete, clearly. Mm-hmm.
1: I just. I, I'm not having fun with all this. This is well, great so news. This going to be done like, in like two more versions so of something. Close. That's like, and uh, here's the
2: thing: I, you bet you're going to have fun right after this, because mm-hmm. once this ends, it's, end, it's going to go back to a more standard X-Men situation. They're going to probably live in a some sort of house. They're going to be hated, and I don't uh, want this
1: young fake Professor Xavier thinking he can just like. At so you want him to be case, like. Yeah. You want somebody to be like, take his legs. <laughs> yeah. Just,
0: you feel weird
2: because he's like 29 and you want him to be like 31. Right. Is the oldest saying.
0: possible age. Yeah.
2: It's disgusting I, that he's I 29. Just,
0: can we move on and talk about Wonder Woman number six from DC Comics written yes, by Tom let's. King, art by Daniel Semperi yes. and Bellin Ortega. In this issue, Wonder Woman is taking on her pretty much her entire rogues gallery at the behest of the sovereign, and the backup story, we're once again getting these super sons babysitting for Trinity. This is great. Oh. I great pack about the series. I was on board as of the last issue. I'm even more on board with this issue. The action scenes are killer. Great action. In the scenes. broad story. Oh my god, so good. Such a build, so much tension going on here. And I laughed out loud multiple times at the backup story. This is great. Again, yeah. tight package. Tight package. A great,
2: a great one, too. And I also, I, I will say the one thing, like, what is, I think you when you see a Tom King book, you're like, oh, interesting. What's the take here? What and this is do? this is one where I feel like the take is just let's smash some stuff. And I'm surprised, but I'm, I keep exp- – and this is not right of me to think this. I, ex- I expect there to be another idea here, and it, maybe there just isn't. And we're getting a lot of anticipation building towards something, uh, and we'll get to that I'm sure soon. But it definitely,
0: ride, just, man. I, it feels like that's what this is. Well, I think the difference is – A lot of his takes are about breaking down characters and he's now moved into a building up phase that's happening Mm. over in Penguin, that's happening in Wonder Woman as well. That's true. Where rather than being like these icons, how do we make them more human? Wonder Woman, he's very specifically like, she's unstoppable. And even in this issue where she gets the crap beaten out of her for multiple pages, it ends with the Sovereign's narration telling us nope, this was the biggest mistake I possibly could have made. I really screwed up here at this moment when it seemed like she lost. And I think that's really what this is about, is he came into this with the idea of Wonder Woman, for whatever reason, has been seen as a tertiary character to Batman and Superman. Let's make sure she is on that level. And she's the one character... You can't have a Mary Sue, like a straw man, Mary Sue argument about because she backs it up from decades of history at this point. Yeah. So to throw her in a direction where it's like she's got the plans, she knows what she's doing, she is clear on herself and what her mission is at all points. This isn't about her growth. It's about how she triumphs over
1: these villains and pushes through no matter what. Her unstoppability. Exactly. Yeah. This is just a badass issue. I, it was such an epic fight. I loved it. I mean, it was just the art, the coloring. It's just such an action-packed issue. And I love, that's one of the, my favorite things about Wonder Woman is they do a lot of great stuff with this character. They push her in a lot of directions. But you got to come back to the Wonder Woman is the most badass person you can ever go up against and you're gonna lose, man. You're not gonna outwork Wonder Woman. You're not gonna outsmart her. You're not you just it's it's just awesome. And it's uh when done right, it's it's glorious, and this is a glorious issue. Elvira meets HP Lovecraft, number one from Dynamite, written by
0: David Avalon, art by Kuber Ball. I was a little nervous when they announced this just yeah. because I was like, HP Lovecraft, kind of racist. What are we gonna do here? But They dive right into that. Alvara spends the entire issue making this the roast of H. P. Lovecraft, and it's kind of delightful. I had a very good time reading this book. Very fun.
2: It's funny, like the because I was like, "Who is this for?" And honestly, like they just were like, "It's just for fun," and I was like, (laughs) "Nailed it, good." (laughs) Yeah. And they, I, they did all the things just to cover alone of him being like, I'm a creep. <laughs> it was like, <laughs> okay, great. And they carried that through.
1: I agree. This was actually a lot more fun than I was ready for or thought it was going to be. It just, uh, yeah. I mean, it's, There was a lot of fun things about this, the back and forth. Elvira always has great banter and when used well can be such a kind of great for pacing and and kind of keeping things light. So I just felt like uh, it was good. And also the kind of fun monster villain reveal at the end was also enjoyable. So, yeah. Great yeah, it works
0: as a H.P. Lovecraft tribute at the same time as they're literally like, you are a racist, horrible person in the comic book. So, fun stuff. Good job, team. Midlife number five from Image Comics, written once again by Bruin Puccellato, art by Stefano Simeone. We are following a character who is impervious to fire, to control fire. We find a lot about his mythology. In this issue, as he also, spoilers here, gets to the refusal of the call part of being a hero. What'd you guys think about this one?
1: Yeah, this was a fun fire rescue. Uh, Love the art. Uh, Gets a little weird at the end, but I'm still enjoying this.
2: I like this as well. Great use of flashback at the beginning of this issue and the previous Mm -hmm. ones. And I just think this is like a great... Over the plate, good hero story, something that we don't get a ton of, just like a like we were talking about at the top of the show, like a Spider-Man style origin story of someone who's like, oh, look, I can do this. How do I do this? Oh, no, I'm messing up. How can I fix this? Like that is such a it's a core text in superhero comics and it's hard to find. And this one does it.
0: It reminds me, I mean, this might be the costume a little bit, but it reminds me a little bit of the Rocketeer at its best. Mm, uh, And there's a bunch of mythology stuff that goes on here in terms of fire demons or fire imps or something like that. And that's the stuff that I hope they like get past and leave behind. Because to your point, Justin, the stuff that I'm really enjoying here is him hanging out with his family, being like, I'm 50 years old. I can't be a hero. Yeah. My knees, I'm not 31. (laughs) My knees. My My knees. Oh, God, my knees. I love these comics where these heroes talk about their knees, you know? Spider knees. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, boy. Fire knees, fire knees. Uh, Spider Boy, number four from Marvel, written by Dan Slott, art by Paco Medina and Ty Templeton. In this issue, we're getting a little riff on the front story, back story thing, where in the front story- we get a reverse spider boy who is attacking the city, doing horrible things like enjoying movies. And then from the backup story, we get his perspective and find out a lot more about him. Boy, spider, boy, spider, um, I'll, I'll tell you what. I was a little iffy about the front story, and then when I read the back story, I liked it one million times better.
1: Oh yeah,
2: I, I liked Dan uh playing around a little bit, and I know I've been a little bit trepidatious when it comes to Spider Boy, but I gotta say, I liked leaning into the fun and comedy. There's some great Fast and the Furious uh, jokes in mm-hmm. this uh, front story <laughs> that I was like, oh, this is a this is a great joke. Uh, Well executed And the idea of telling sort of Almost comic strip style Like comic book storytelling Here where you know you're getting You have to read both of them To sort of get what's happening They're they're in communication with each other That's fun
1: Yeah I I just think I love the there's a lot of fun lines in here I love the I think I should get free nachos for life Line that was great Uh, I feel like the art does a great job of setting the fun tone for this issue. You know, um, it feels like slots having a great time. Uh, I love the pace, the action, people working together. Uh, Yeah, also great teaser for the next issue on that kind of like last page. I thought that was really cool. The elephant stomp.
2: And, Pete, you're in a legal battle f- over nachos for life as well. So its I think just be careful what you say. You don't want to affect oh, your
1: Oh, great. Case. Yeah. Come, Come at Chipotle. me, B-dubs.
0: Come at me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Buffalo Wild Wigs? Yeah. Green Lantern War Journal. I hate that I do that. Green Lantern War Journal number six (laughs) from DC Comics. You hate by Philip Kennedy Johnson. Art by Montos. We are getting John Stewart versus the Radiant Dead, light-based enemies who are attacking him from another dimension. We get some emotional stuff with his mom and sister here. This title is great.
2: It's a defining Green Lantern story, uh, especially for a Green Lantern that we don't get a ton of exploration of. And it, it, so that's that's really nice to see here. And I think Philip Kennedy Johnson just cares for the characters he's writing so much. And that's why I feel like you get the combination of just like big action at the same time of hitting these emotional beats and telling a great story.
1: Yeah, I mean – Cool-ass cover, loved all the action, interesting monster... weather. (laughs) Thank you. Uh, Interesting monster villain, great art, uh, total pack. The Holy Roller, number four, from Image Comics, written by Rick Remender, Andy Samberg,
0: and Joe Troman, art by Roland Boski. So last issue, I complained a little bit that they were probably going to take six issues to slowly build him into a superhero costume Get him to a point of being a hero. Nope. Nope. Just there. (laughs) Suck it. Uh, yeah, I'll I'll tell you what, weird pacing there though, at the same time where I felt like I had missed an issue at some point. But if you were looking forward to what was teased on the first cover, guy in a costume, beating up people (laughs) with superpowered bowling balls. That's what you get. If you want to see some
2: wrecked, wrecked faces, (laughs) Like you got a lot of bowling balls wrecking jaws in this Oh movie. yeah.
1: Wrecking jaws. Yeah, I thought this was just very badass and also the combo of kind of the darkness with of Remender with the comedy of uh the Sandberg there. I, I think this is just such a great team. The arts uh, kind of fun and uh, uh really does a great job of setting a cool pace with the quips and the action and the grossness and uh yeah i mean it's not like fro like kind of crazy mr freeze one-liners but there's some enjoyable quips in here you know what i mean yeah they're having fun i liked it as um headpieces
2: headpiece is a bowling ball too
1: yeah i mean double down on balls you know what i mean <laughs>
2: Mm, Great. An area we haven't covered.
0: (laughs) (laughs) The Incredible Hulk number nine from Marvel, written by, once again, Philip Kennedy Johnson, art by Danny Earls. We're going to get a new arc here where the Hulk and his young companion have headed to New Orleans while they're still contending with some supernatural entities. Um, This is, I think, what Philip had teased to us as the grossest Hulk transformation ever. Yeah, uh, and boy, it sure is. It's pretty good. Yeah, gross. real
2: slow-mo uh Hulk popping out of every little uh, hole he can find in Bridgeport. Oh uh, 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 man. I I really like this. It feels so different from so many Hulk stories and so deep into like hot summer sweaty horror uh comic. And it's like It's good. It feels like very much of a place. New Orleans really feels like a part of this. And it feels like we've established our cast. We've established a villain. Now we get to play around with the stories we're telling. So really nice to feel this entering a uh, sort of new phase in this run.
1: Yeah, I mean, uh, just the art is just so awesome and stylized and it kind of just really sets up this world to explore in such a great way. This is intense, but it's also interesting, but the body body horror is for real in this. John yeah.
0: Constantine Hellblazer Dead in America number 2 from DC Comics written by Simon Spurrier, art by Aaron Campbell. Talking about body horror. A lot talking, of about, talking about body <laughs> horror. Anyway, uh, lots of that in this issue. John Constantine is slowly dying in America, per the title. And mm. he has been sent on huh. a mission by uh, the new Sandman, not Morpheus, but Daniel, the Sandman, um, yep. to find
2: some sand.
1: Danny.
0: As you would want to do.
2: Do you think when Morpheus named him Daniel, how did that work? Was he like, yeah, let's go with the modern
0: <laughs> Yeah, name. why not? Um, I start every issue what? of this so far Uh-oh. being what? like, what's going on here this is too dense this is there's too many things going on and by the end i'm like okay all right yeah, here we go i'm into this yeah. yeah this is great um so i don't know if that's going to be the arc of every issue but that's definitely how i've felt with issue one and two so far
2: Yeah, and uh, it's is—it's scooping up so much of not just Constantine and the different iterations of him, but all of Vertigo. Like, we get a lot of, like, hey, Swamp Thing, do your um, psychedelic tuber thing, man, and then he does, and we get a... So it's really weaving in and out of a lot of just John Constantine history, and it feels like, I don't know, this is obviously not going to be the last statement uh, for John Constantine, but it feels like... this book is about sort of making that weaving that all together in into this story,
1: yeah. This is such a fun issue. Um, i I super tight, bananas art, and uh, I just uh, felt very classic, Constantine, with me with all the twists and turns, just really loved it. Also, some beautiful splash pages in here. Uh, the uh, swamp thing reveal is just an already spoiled, it's just glorious. James Bond,
0: 007, number two from Dynamite, written by Garth Ennis, art by Rafa Lobosco. We were, I don't know if mixed is the right word, but concerned about the direction of this after the first issue in terms of how it treated James Bond and the franchise. How are you feeling after issue number two? It just doesn't feel like a James Bond
2: book. And it's fine. Like, it's interesting what's happening. But I'm like, what's the what's James Bond about this? And I don't. I still don't know. Even after the second issue,
0: it's I. Uh, not to jump ahead of you, Pete. I, I feel like even Rafa Labasco is drawing Butcher from the boys here. Like straight yeah. up, there's a paddle at the end that's like that's not James Bond. That's Butcher. That, yeah, which is fine. I mean, I like Garth Ennis, and I think Rafa Labasco's art is good. But this is does not feel James Bondian to me. I agree.
1: Yeah, yeah I, I just feel like this is a. You know, I'm trying to tell myself it's a different, more violent take on James Bond. And uh, the art is really good. It's an interesting idea. And uh, part of me is enjoying this. But, uh, yeah, I'm kind of like, I I don't know. If it was just a guy who wasn't James Bond, would I care as much? So I don't know. But uh, uh, I'm in it to win it. So I'm going to keep reading. All right.
0: X-Force number 49 from Marvel, written by Benjamin Percy, art by Robert Gill. The Beast is on the loose, and X-Force is after him. However, there's also a second Beast. They clone the Beast back to a backup, back from the days when he was like, oh, my stars and garters. And in this issue, that Beast heads off to pal off with Wonder Man, who is also at a very different place, and be like, you got to help me. We're best friends. And Wonder what man's like, we haven't talked in a very long time. Yeah, what no, are you talking about?
2: I love that energy in this issue. Yeah, wonder uh, man's like, what? We haven't talked
1: since college. What are you doing here? <laughs> uh, yes, Pete. Okay. So, Justin, remember before when I was saying that, you know, when you were bringing up the clone craze and, you know, copy oh, yeah. number four of somebody? Um, when somebody's like, you know, Wolverine's like which beast I'm like yeah exactly There's so many fucking copies running around here We got old trench coat Fucking beast over here And then the organic grenade throwing beast And then there's like Underwater scuba organic There's There's just two Well, yeah, but still, I just think of the action. I'm I'm overbeasted. Just Just a a quick question.
0: When you see somebody, you know, and they were on the beach and then they go into the water for the beach. Are they two different people? Hey,
1: jackass, when one of them is uh, doing something completely different and then in a completely different scenario, you don't know. And they're talking about how there's so many fucking beasts running around. Maybe it could be a different beast.
0: I know you normally only see me podcasting. If you saw me upstairs making dinner, would you be like, well, that's a different Alex? Who is that? Yeah.
1: I don't know. Maybe. Fair enough. Yeah. Kitchen Alex. And Chmecha, we were just Chmecha's. talking about how there were so many Alex's and there was copies of Alex. And then I thought maybe, well, I don't know. They're fucking loose with everything else. Maybe it's a different fucking time period. <laughs> I don't fucking know.
2: Uh, yeah, I feel like, Pete, you become untethered from all of the X universe in general. And so you're looking at it uh, that it's too chaotic for you. Like a 31-year-old trying to understand the Internet. You think it's too complicated and confusing.
0: I think there's a really good emotional base going on here. The idea of, are we destined to always be the people that we will become down the road? Like That's a classic time travel trope. And to see that at play here with them talking about this classic version of the Beast, and they're like, he has the possibility of becoming this Beast who spoilers here but at the end of the issue is like i'm gonna suck all of mars into a black hole to save mutants which is like what is the insane yeah. villain plan totally untethered for reality so dealing with that idea there that's i think the key is the conversation i believe it's between sage and wolverine where sage is like i used to be an alcoholic i'm not anymore am i, always I yes alcoholic I you have done horrible things as weapon x are you always yeah. weapon x Great stuff.
2: Oh, great. That was uh, great. There's there's just a lot of great writing here, and I like the two beasts. the The beast that meets Wonderland reminded more than me of two. when there's just two in this comic. But the the beast that meets Wonderman reminded me of when Donatello would put on a trench coat and go and like solve mysteries.
0: <laughs> and Charles
2: like,
1: was like, "Okay, no, but in the X Men." cartoon. There was the trench go Beast. I remember mm-hmm. Trenchcoat Beast. Yeah, and he's back. Yeah. And
2: I just think that this book is just taking wild swings all the time, and I appreciate that as the X-Universe, in opposition to the Kieran Gillen book, which is, like, so intense, so continuity. This one feels like it's just taking swings and having fun.
1: I mean, the the elephant in the room that we haven't talked about yet is this comic pushing big coffee. I mean, you have Wolverine and Sage sit down for coffee, then one of the beasts is drinking coffee. I mean, I yeah. get it. Folger crystals aren't going to sell themselves. You know what I mean? We got. To- I,
2: I've never tried coffee before, but this book made me take a sip. <laughs> <seven.
1: laughs> Same thing as <laughs> Ultimate Spider-Man, Uncle Ben,
0: and. Uh, J. Jonah Jameson have that conversation where Uncle Ben assures him that coffee.
1: was in a hot sauna. They they weren't drinking coffee. No, but they were talking yeah. about it. J. Jonah Jameson no, was yeah. like,
0: "I drink two cups of coffee a day. Is that okay for me? Don't tell me if it's not. Just tell me it is." And Ben Parker is like, "It is," and he's like, "Great, great." And I felt very seen in that moment. <laughs> oh, that's nice. Animal Pound, number two for Boom Studios, written by Tom King, art by Peter Gross. We are getting into it now as our cats and dogs and buddies are trying to figure out their governmental structure, how they're going to get food, what's going to go on there. Again, this was another issue that on the first issue, I was like, how is this going to play out? This is the one where we get to see how it is going to play out. It really starts to dig into modern ideas of government. Smartly done. Great art by Peter Gross. There's some really interesting satire going on here throughout from Tom King. Excellent book.
2: Agree. I love this. It's so smart. It's such a difficult story to retell. Animal Farm, the George Orwell book, so hard to retell in modern eyes. But Tom King is doing it. And I just I feel like I'm hanging on every scene here. Very much looking forward to more.
1: Do you guys think it was a bit much when that one dog was like, my mom was a wise bitch? <laughs> <laughs> I thought that was a little much. I thought yeah, that was nasty. Was, but I thought it was a bit much. I thought it was a bit much. That's not a swear word for them. Yeah. I, yeah, but it was like, I don't know, man. It was like one of the moments where the character looks at the camera. In the show, and you're like, all like right, Deadpool. All, yeah, we don't have to you know, don't bring Deadpool into this. I'm just yeah. saying Who that lets like the dogs out, plays or something like that. That's fun. I just felt like it was a little, <laughs> it was a little much. I was, I was having a good time, and then that happened. I was like, what are we doing? Yeah, uh, I'm sorry. Your um, mom's a wise bitch, though. Uh, don't you <laughs> fucking
0: dare, bro!
1: No, it's a cop no, it.
0: no, he's speaking from dare. a dog's point of view. Exactly. Of- woof woof. Captain yeah. Marvel number five from Marvel, written by Alyssa Wong, in art the same by place. Jen Basil Dua. We are dealing with Captain Marvel and this new thief character that I really should find out the name of. Our split uh, switching places <laughs> with Nega Bands, Yuna, uh, Yuna, maybe something like that. I think it's in Yuna. this issue, they are fighting against the villains who are an evil Captain Marvel and a Bird Lady, and also bonding <laughs> with the new thief's family. I love this book. I, yeah. This is so much fun. I'm having yeah. such a good time. Oh, the characterizations are great. This is such a different mode for Carol Danvers. Very fun stuff.
2: Agree. This has been the best Captain Marvel run in quite some time. I love it. Her name is Yuna, and these. This it's just a great you a character. Captain Marvel is often Carol Danvers is often just like. I got to go break, fight all these people. And I think that just to reformat this book and make it this way is such a smart choice.
1: Yeah, this is just so much fun and so great. I I was just so impressed with this issue. Amazing art, great storytelling, lots of action, like the villains. Yeah, this is just, uh, I I read it and I was like, ah, great. Thank you. Read and weep. I I mean, I didn't cry, but it was still good. (laughs) 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 Superman
0: number 11 from DC Comics written by Joshua Williamson, art by David Baldi on after Superman has returned to the present for the Old West. He's discovered that Lex and his allies are under attack by the new Lex Revenge Squad. By the end of the issue, Superman himself has been corrupted by them. What do you guys think about this?
2: Uh, I I've been liking this. It's such a different type of Superman story and it's fun and different. The, the my big takeaway is that da, Mr. Graft, every time I see him, I'm like, is that Howard Stern? Mm. <laughs> he looks mm. like Howard Stern. And yeah. like, I like a young Howard Stern. And I think it's just very funny. The way this character has been designed.
1: Um, I, I think the art's amazing on this. Um, This is not my favorite Superman story, but I'm going to keep reading.
0: This issue is okay. I feel like some of them have been bigger swings, but this is an important mythology issue for what's going on in the title, so that's okay. There's some fun stuff with the different kryptonites that I enjoyed. Yes. Um, So, yeah, I I continue to really like this. I continue to have fun reading this, and I'm excited to see where it goes. Lotus Land, number four, from Boom Studios, written by Darcy von Polgeist, art by Caio Philippe. We are following a neo-noir future detective investigating a weird mystery while back home his son or is it his son is Mm. waiting for him lots of twisty weird things going on with memory in this issue in particular pete what did you think about this one
1: well it's a lot of crazy stuff uh love the sweet ending um fantastic art uh sets a great mood for this comic
2: It is a moody comic, and I think in the last issue and this one, I was like, I don't quite know what's happening across the board. And I do think walking out of this issue, it feels like maybe that's a little bit the point.
0: Yeah, Mm -hmm. it it feels a little dreamlike. I think that's what's going on with the Lotus Land, whole Lotus Eaters forgetting things thing. Daredevil number six from Marvel, written by Saladin Ahmed, art by Aaron Cooter in this issue. Daredevil is literally finally facing his demons, thanks to Doctor Strange, trying to thanks, find out Dr. what's going Strange. on, leading to a new slash old costume that he gets. Justin, what's your take on this one?
2: I, You know, I've been a little bit hesitant with some of the issues in this run. and I thought this issue actually brought this, uh, brought it together in a nice way. I wish it had just come a little bit earlier because it crystallizes the mission. Uh, the art, I feel like, was a l- bit of a step up here. Uh, from Aaron Cooter is great, and it, this issue especially felt like a bit of a statement issue. Mm-hmm. I think it's going to be hard for Daredevil to keep this new uniform clean in general. <laughs> uh-huh. uh, like, you're fighting crime that in, like, white pure...
1: uniform in Hell's Kitchen? Oh, just I dingy. I don't know what you're trying to say about Hell's Kitchen. That's uh, it's I used nice to live cleaning.
0: there. Yeah.
1: yeah. It was knows. not clean. <laughs> yeah, that was back then. Now you can walk oh, around in yeah. white. Everyone's also, Mister Clean makes these new eraser kind of the uh, magic erasers. It just really helps you out.
2: I hope we get an issue where Daredevil has to buy those.
1: Yeah, some kind. <laughs> yeah,
2: Mister Clean, Mister Clean.
1: Sorry, just have to do uh, All right. Yeah, you have to. That's true. You establish that. Uh, what a last panel! I mean, holy shit! Uh, I was not expecting that. I I love this kind of. Uh, you know, Gandalf moment that, uh, Daredevil has where he kind of, uh, goes through hell, comes oh. back and has got his, uh, white outfit on. So, uh, you know, uh, the run, fall- you fools. he yes. says. Yeah, exactly. I'll you, tell you what, if pass. he keeps
0: running around in hell's kitchen, he's going to go back to being Daredevil, the gray, you
1: know? Oh yeah. boy. Yeah. I mean, we'll see what happens, but yeah, I mean, it was kind of tripped out the way he was falling through hell and stuff. So that was very cool. um, yeah, I, I I don't know if I should spoil the ending, but uh, sorry. Quick I,
0: question: Hell is where you are right now. Is it like that?
1: Like in the comic book? No, it's not. It's worse. It's worse here. Okay, than in the comic, <laughs> that's dark.
0: Wow. <laughs> Well, anyway, good issue. Gorgeous art. Titans num- Titans number eight from DC Comics, written by Tom Taylor, art by Steven Segovia. We are picking up after the end of the Beast World storyline with a bunch of things going on for the Titans, not least of which is that Raven is Dark Raven, taken over by the evil parts of her soul and working with Trigon. Um, this is very much a pickup issue, and I'm curious to see where they go. But as always, this is a good title.
2: Uh, yeah, same. I feel the same way. I like the way they're bringing in sort of folding in a lot of the uh, the larger continuity stuff happening in D.C. with uh, we get the uh, the heroes being hated, especially uh, Gar. And it, it it really they make that emotionality really hit home here in a good way. I, I like the different things that are happening. One quibble. Mm-hmm. They're like, all what? right, the new T-Jet, let's get in it. And then they're like. Then we'll fly there and teleport. <laughs> Immediately land the plane through the tele- the teleportation and get out and fight crime. I was like, you don't need the jet. <laughs> <laughs> you need the jet at all. Just boom you, tube you, there or whatever. You, you don't need the jet at all. You wasted a lot of money in that jet, guys. And think yeah. of the carbon footprint. Taylor oh Swift. And, you know, oh, what I'm wow!
1: About. Oh, look at you. Look at Topical. you. Yeah, yeah, very way to kind of connect. um Anyways, uh, yeah, great issue. I love how it starts with Raven and her dad. That's great. Um, also a heartbreaking stuff with, uh, Beast Boy, which was very cool. Uh, you know, the plane stuff was weird. I was like, why do we have an X-Men plane that you guys are kind of like, Hey, it's kind of like the X-Men plane, but legally it's not right guys. Uh, <laughs> cool. Uh.
2: Yeah, you can see the Marvel lawyers just in the edge of the panel.
1: Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Just if you
0: It was kinda... nice of them to draw them in, honestly. St. John, number two, from Dark Horse Comics, written by Brennan Wagner and Dan Schkodke. Art by Dan Schkodke. This is based on a clothing line, I want to say, out of Portland, is what yeah. I'm gathering here, or something like that. Anyway, it is about a guy who is the spirit of Portland, and he is saving the city in the middle of a snowstorm. We, shockingly... Love the first issue of this. What would you guys think about the second one?
2: This comic is all about good vibes. Like, this is a hero who's just, like, trying hard and doing well. And sort of like what I was saying earlier about uh, midlife, you don't get a lot of stories where it's just, like, a hero trying to get by. And this is just the pure positive version of that. If you like that, you can pick this up.
1: Yeah, I agree. I, I thought it had a cute ending, uh, love the art style, almost cartoonish in nature, which brings real lightness to this post-APOC world. Uh, it's set in uh, like the two main characters. It's not a like,
0: APOC world. It's just a snowstorm in Portland.
1: Yeah. <laughs> well, you call po- that what Have you, you ever want. dealt with snow, Pete? <laughs> Never. Not once in my life.
0: Uh, I really like this as well. I think Dan Shkotke's art reminds me, I, maybe I said this about the first issue, of Michael Avon Oeming a little bit. It's not quite exaggerated, see, but see, it's definitely yeah. there. Mm-hmm. Uh, good comic book. Very surprised by the second issue as well. Last but not least, Gods number 5 from Marvel, written by Jonathan Hickman, art by Valerio Sheedy. In this issue... <coughs> oh, don't die! Oh, no. We got so our, close our to the Our guy who Sheedy. is not Doctor Strange is recruiting our girl who is working for the opposite end of the spectrum to investigate some otherworldly entities. I thought this issue was fun. I still don't know what this series is or exactly what the overall path is, but as a done-in-one issue, I thought this was very good.
2: I feel the same way, and I don't know what this is, but I feel like it's been that way from the jump, and we're bookending the stack with Hickman on Hickman. And it's still good. It's still interesting. It's fun stuff. But, yeah, the overall project isn't clear, but I don't mind mm. it. I'm here for the ride. The art's great. Mm. Good comics.
1: I I thought this was an intense-ish. I liked it. Uh, Mazeballs art. Great amount of scar- story and cool-ass ship happening. And, uh, yeah, cool world. Uh, love what we were seeing.
0: I think what Hickman's dealing here, just in case anybody is curious and then we can wrap up, is he is wrapping up the continuity that he left behind after Secret Wars, because there's a little bit of a hint of Black Swans and all that mythology he built Mm -hmm. up here. He mentions, like, we are from a story that was left behind or something. So that's kind of what he's doing is he's like... I did all of that work. Remember that, guys? Remember that? It's back now. So we'll see how that pans out and how it goes. Uh, but good comic, though I'm curious to see what the long-term plan is, because there always is one. If you like to support this show and all the shows we do, patreon.com slash comic book club. Also, we do a live show every Tuesday night at 7 p.m. to Facebook and YouTube. Come hang out. We would love to chat with you about comic books, Apple, Spotify, Android, or the app of your choice. To subscribe, listen, and follow the show at Comic Book Live on Twitter slash X, Comic Book Club Live on TikTok and Instagram, ComicBookClubLive.com for this podcast and many more. Until next time, we'll see you at the Comic Book Club.
2: When we releasing our sweater weather cover, guys. Sweater weather cover, Comic Book Club sweater weather.